Hello and welcome to the Walk podcast. My name's Anna Hamill and I'm the Senior Editor for Brands at Walk. It's day two of the Can Lion Festival and from our humble studio in the Palais, we're here to share the most important upsides from up and down the Quasette. It's been another busy day for our Creative Impact program, which we've co-curated with Lions. Today, we're hearing from world-leading effectiveness experts, Professor Scott Galloway and many others. And as always, we will bring you all of the key insights from that session and more in our daily podcast through the week. Later in today's episode, I'll be joined by Jocelyn C, Chief Strategy Officer for UN Worldwide in China, who will spill the beans on the key insights from this year's Creative Data Lions jury. I'll also be speaking to Walk's roving reporter, who has been on the ground reporting on the big topics emerging from the fringe events, including uh, a very well-attended session with OpenAI, and you might have heard of them. You can also keep up with the latest breaking news in our daily Walk News newsletter. But first, I'm joined by Walk's SVP of content, David Tiltman, who has just joined us from a session exploring the new golden age of effectiveness. Hi, Anna. Good to be back. Great to have you. So you attended a very popular session this morning with some world-leading effectiveness experts. So tell us about the lineup and what they were covering today. Yeah, I, I mean, it was a packed session. Uh, it was standing room only. Um, so we had, well, it was a bit of an all-star lineup, to be honest. Very much so. Uh, it was uh, Les Binette, uh obviously of Adam and Eve DDB. Well known to all of our listeners, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, we had Tom Roach of Jellyfish, yes. who uh, is, is very much uh, forging his own path in that sort of effectiveness space. And we had Dr. Grace Kite from Magic Numbers, um, econometrician, obviously doing a lot of work over the last couple of years to advance the cause of marketing measurement. So, uh, yeah, the three of them were, were talking about uh, what they call the third age of effectiveness. So what is the third age of effectiveness? That's a good question. Um, well, uh, what they're arguing, their argument overall is that um, if you think about almost like Gartner's hype cycle, we've been through the first age, which is a lot of excitement, the second age, which is disappointment, and the third age, which is hopefully you know some kind of uh, uh smashing it out of the park well just sort of you know it becomes normal <laughs> right but, uh, rather than me trying to explain it let's let's actually actually hear from uh, dr grace kite uh, to tell us more so we were talking about the beginning of a new dawn the new age of effectiveness um and we call it the third age because um, the first age was when we were all really excited about digital marketing and we went into to it, but we didn't really know what we were doing um, and the formats were still evolving. And the second stage was when we were all a bit disappointed and effectiveness was falling. Um, and I've shown today new data that shows that we're in the third age where effectiveness and returns to effectiveness are on the up. So why is this effectiveness topic such an important one for can lines? Well, there's a couple of things. So firstly... It does feel like we've spent the last 10 years talking about a crisis in effectiveness. Uh, a lot of the, the rise of short termism, yeah, all of that stuff. Exactly. So it, it, it's felt very uh, defensive. And uh, what I think this, this gives us, this, this sort of idea of a third age of effectiveness, is, is, is actually we haven't just been wasting the last 10 years as an industry. We've been actively learning how to adapt to uh to a sort of new media reality a new consumer reality so so in a sense it's it's one of now it's a narrative it's a uh, it's a nice new narrative for us to think about 
um, and, and get away from that language of, of crisis and, uh, you know, the whole the whole thing's falling down to, to actually, yeah, one of hope. Yeah, that's really good. So any top line insights from the presentation? I know Les Burnett had some interesting thoughts on attribution. Yeah, so those those of you who've listened to Les uh, in the past, the, the, the Leserati, if you like, will, will be familiar with... Um, uh, you know, his arguments around the limitations of attribution modeling, how it tends to overemphasize uh, lower funnel channels, particularly things like search and underemphasizes uh, the impact of what we might call brand building or upper funnel uh, uh, marketing. Um, so he was really setting the scene with that and, and showing some data around exactly how big that that problem is and why it's so encouraging that we seem to be seeing uh, an uptick in interest in things like econometrics and and market mix modeling. So um, that that was his sort of uh, piece. And then uh, Dr. Grace Kite came on and she was talking about, well, exactly what we just heard about, that sort of hype cycle and how we're uh, coming into a new era. And she to, to evidence that, she used uh, what's called the ARC database, a UK database of communications, and it shows... Uh, that um, actually returns from advertising on going up again. Um, and particularly interestingly for online brands. So, um, you know, where this talk goes on to the Walk website, uh, people should definitely be checking it out. There's some really interesting nuanced arguments, which I'm not going to try and uh, 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 summarize, about, about how online brands seem to be driving really good returns from their um, uh, from their advertising. Um, I want to spend a little bit of time just with the Tom Roach piece because that sure. um, that was that was a sort of third and almost the more, more practical of the of the three. So if if Les and Grace are talking about you know setting up this idea of the third age, what uh, Tom was trying to do was actually translate that into some principles for development of creative and creativity. Um, and again, it's a really interesting piece. It should definitely, you know, people should definitely go and check it, check the full thing out. Um, now, he had a few things. So he was talking about how the study of attention online is starting to, to tell us about how, um, uh, how, we, well, how important attention is uh, in terms of... Uh, finding opportunities to build brands use advertising effectively online so you know there's lots more we'll be talking about attention a lot this week i'm sure um so he points to the attention issue and how attention is starting to bring the worlds of creativity and digital media back together which is really interesting um he talks about the sort of principles of creative development online uh, and he's got a sort of A, B, C, D, E formula. Um, we of, love a formula. We love a formula. Uh, and, and so, yeah, there's five points to it. I'm not going to read out all five, but uh, I think the important thing with it is, uh, you know, a lot of the principles we know about uh, use emotion, uh, you know, things like distinctive assets, um, you know, be different, distinctive, all those sorts of things. All of that still works in this space. So, you know, we're not, reinventing marketing but what he does say which is super interesting is that you know the media landscape has changed and we are dealing with lots of different platforms each of which sort of play by their own rules so whether you're on tiktok or instagram or youtube or 
Twitch or whatever it is. Any one of the many uh, dozens many, many, that we're talking yeah. about here at Cannes this week. Yeah, no, the, the problem is they all have their own formats. They all, you know, the algorithms work in different ways. And what he's saying, and, you know, Jellyfish knows their way around this, uh, this space, is that um, creative uh, creativity that is native to the platform, that is developed specifically for those formats, tends to overperform versus a sort of matching luggage approach where you take, you take one set of creative ideas and then just go, oh, well, that's my TikTok version of it. That's my right. that's my Instagram version of it. So, you know, that's a, that's a challenge in itself because you have to sort of develop all those native ideas. But um, it's it's a really, from a sort of practical level, his, I mean, one of his big points was be more native. Uh, and actually that starts then to open up the door into how you work with creators. So we talked on yesterday's podcast about how big the creator and influencer uh, presence is this year in Cannes. It is. And it's something we're hearing CMOs talk about a lot on stage yeah. is how that area is evolving too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so again, you know, you've got a sort of creator strategy and then a native brand content strategy. So, Anyway, very interesting, worth checking out. But some from Tom, some very practical tips. I thought. Yeah, that's great. How does that? How do their perspectives line up with other things you're hearing about effectiveness this week at the festival? Yeah, it's interesting. So um, there's a couple of things stand out. So actually, I was in a talk yesterday, also on the creative impact track uh, by TikTok and Ulta Beauty, and that was looking at um, you know how how Ulta Beauty how was operating on TikTok and interestingly the CMO of Ulta Beauty said exact made exactly the same point that Tom did which is that if if anything they do that is native to the platform gets much much bigger um much bigger sort of response much bigger uh, effectiveness outcomes than um stuff that isn't native to the platform so I and mean, that was you know the, the 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 big takeaway from that and so that very much aligns with what Tom's saying um, the attention piece I mentioned, uh, and that that is something we are hearing about attention across the festival. Um, if I'm honest, I think a lot of people are struggling to define attention. You know, obviously, we know uh, people like Karen Nelson-Field, Mike Follett, they've got definitions of attention, but we're hearing lots of other people with, let's say, their own uh, somewhat partial uh, uh, definitions. Yeah. Um, but attention's huge this year, and uh, just to align with the session we've just been talking about, we have a session coming up tomorrow, I think, with Karen Nelson-Field, Orlando Wood, uh, and Rob Britton, and they're going to be, again, talking about how the research into attention brings together the worlds of creativity and uh, creativity and effectiveness and creativity and media reunites them. Um, so very much a follow-on from what Tom was talking about. More huge names are on the creative impact What can stage. I say? It is a week of huge names. Yeah, and we will be bringing all of you uh, the reporting from that over the next few days and also a deep dive interview with the CMO of Alter Beauty who spoke to me yesterday about a few more of those things that you were just discussing. So thank you, David, for joining us and you will be back on the podcast later this week with more information about uh, what's been happening across the festival. Oh, well, indeed. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. My next guest in the studio is Jocelyn C., 
Chief Strategy Officer for UN Worldwide in China, and a member of the Creative Data Lions Jury. Jocelyn, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you, Anna. I'm very happy to be here. How has judging been going this week? Um, we just completed yesterday. Uh, it was very, very interesting. I was in a group of really diverse um, background, ethnicity, and uh, different nature of work. So it was very rich in conversation and. Um, and uh, there was it was very inspiring talking to people from very different backgrounds. Um, but then the, the the process was pretty intensive because there's actually 15 uh, awards in our category amongst 500 entries. Wow. Um, and uh, so it was um, an interesting two days with very good results. We walked away all very happy and uh, very much aligned. Sounds brilliant. And we're looking forward to hearing the winners uh, in coming days from your category. Were there any key trends that came out of the judging that really stuck in your mind? Um, definitely. So when it comes to creative data, especially this year with generative AI becoming um, a very popular tool, um, there was a lot of AI art um, uh there was a lot of dead people coming back to life through AI. <laughs> um, but I, what I really valued was um, there were a lot of cases that used AI to help businesses to help uh, reshape certain business models or uh, drive sustainable businesses. Um, and um, I, I gravitated towards those cases a lot. And then another theme was um, kind of the power to the people. So um, using data to uh, uh, enable access um, and uh, kind of a sense of community, people coming together. So that was another theme. And then there was a lot of cases around inclusion, um, whether it's uh, removing certain problems um, through AI or in another perspective, it's making problems more visible. So people's um, certain struggles are made more um, uh, known to the broader environment. And then um, also there was a sense of <clears throat> removing divide um, in societies. I think after, I mean, in recent years, there's a lot of divide. There's a lot of different opinions and points of views in, in our broader society. So uh, data and tech and AI was used in a lot of these uh, areas as well. So That sounds like some really interesting applications. Where do you think the use of data and creativity will go moving forward from here? What would you like to see from next year's and the following year's entries? Um, definitely, it's still at a really premature stage. Um, there's a lot of AI being used currently as a final product. Um, but then what through our discussions within, within my team of jurors, um, we felt that AI should be just an enabler of better work. So um, I do hope to see more creative ideas come out of um, AI being the enabler instead of it being a final product. And um, yeah, there's a lot of um, possibilities uh, that could come in the future. So this is probably the most exciting category at Cannes, um, although it's still <clears throat> at its early, year, early years, but then uh, definitely see the future in it. For sure. So China is light years ahead in many areas of digital innovation. What do you think is happening in China right now that you think is going to change the game in the future? Definitely. I mean, to your point, we're definitely very advanced in uh, tech and the sophistication of our market and ecosystem on a day-to-day -day basis, because I'm in media, on a day-to-day -day basis, we would be 
looking at 30 plus different platforms or apps. So the range and breadth of what we've got to offer in China is a lot richer than a lot of markets. Um, in recent years, the um, the trend in China is all uh, centered around what we call the end of the funnel. So driving sales and um, activating commerce and doing something around commerce festival. So I guess in your world, there might be Black Friday, but then we basically have one of these basically every day. There's 300 plus shopping festivals in China throughout the year. So it's not just about Singles Day. <laughs> no, there's um, there's 520 just happened in Chinese. That means I love you. Um, 618 was another one. So there's basically one huge one every month and then smaller ones every day. Um, so I think there's a lot for China to learn as well. How do we um, bring back the uh, the power of the brand through work that's driving sales and drive creativity that way? And um, however, on the flip side, I think uh, other markets got a lot to learn from China in terms of its te uh, tech technological uh, developments. Um, and I was proud to be equipped with that knowledge and be able to converse with my my team of jurors uh, the last two days that way um, because of my technical understanding and things. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of exciting opportunities for China to be represented even more here at Canline moving forward. I definitely do hope so. Um, uh, part of what I personally want to do is to bring back my experiences here and everything that I saw and the conversations that I had um, to inspire uh, the local uh, industry when I'm back in China. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for your insights from the Creative Data Jury. And as I said, we look forward to hearing the results later this week. Thank you, Anna. My final guest today is Walk's Deputy Editor of News, Sam Pena-Taylor, and he's the man with the highest step count at Walk this week. Uh, there's hot competition, but you have really been all over the festival this week, Sam. I, I've got to know Can even better than I've known it, got to know it over the years. So, If you uh, need to know how long it takes to walk from WPP Beach at the end of the Quasette all the way to the Palais, Sam's your guy. The answer is always longer than you think. Exactly. So I know it's still early on, but what are some of the key topics and themes that are emerging from what you've seen so far? I mean, of course, this being walk, you know, we're, we're quite interested in the nerdy stuff. We love our numbers. We so, do. Uh, so we, I've, I've just been delighting in, uh, in Les Binet and, and Grace Kite's um, work from earlier. Um, a lot of attention work, both inside and outside the Palais. Um, what are some of the interesting conversations you've seen around attention? Because it's something we've focused on a lot at Walk. So attention, well, we're, we're getting we're getting a little bit closer to knowing that attention is not is not the same, and that there is not only not a currency for it, but that different platforms make attention work in different ways. Um, and effectively, we're just getting a little bit more sophisticated. That's that's really that's really. It, as far as I can tell. Of course, you know, you've got to go to each platform to really understand the level of that sophistication. Any intel from brands or marketers specifically around attention or how it's shaping their business? Honestly, 
not a hell of a lot. It is only Tuesday though, so uh, so we're keeping our we're watch keeping the our eyes space peeled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that you've been um, going to a lot of sessions about artificial intelligence, and it's definitely one of the biggest uh, hype words that we're seeing around the industry right now. Uh, tell us some of the hit things that you are seeing and hearing from speaking to people on the ground. Well, I mean, so it's it's both a hype word and it's kind of unlike anything we've had for a while because. Last year we had the metaverse, and we had <laughs> I can't, not quite not, not laugh. quite uh, rest in peace, but yeah, not quite rest in peace, but but metaverse. It was we a ha- beautiful. We knew you. It was a we, beautiful short moment. It it really was. It, it it burned bright. I mean, as did NFTs. Like NFTs were they they were fun. I mean, like Gary V. So um, so you're year. um not you're saying there's not been a lot of chat about NFTs this year. Oh, n- nothing. Like basically nothing. Like AI has blown everything out of out right. of the water. Partly because this is such a big story. This is so much bigger than advertising. It's so much bigger than computing. It's it's everything. But this and doesn't s- begin and end with Chat GPT, right? This is a whole business problem and it that needs solving. It it doesn't. It doesn't because um, Chat GPT is effectively the one route that most people have into seeing how this could affect their lives. So ChatGPT is without doubt kind of the market the market leader, if you will. I don't know how much that's translating to commercial success for them. You know, they are still very much a startup, but that is usually the route in. Now, where it gets kind of more complicated is what that what that means for brands and how they might start to use that, whether you use it on an institutional basis or they use it on an individual basis. I mean, the, the jury is very much out, but but the discussion is uh, feverish. Yeah, to, to I think one of the uh, interesting CMOs I was talking to was saying there's a real role for generative AI in developing product descriptions. For example, uh, every site, every e-commerce site has different uh, parameters of what it wants, you know, 50 words or less or specific keywords and generative AI may be really useful for that type of work. But also it's not a conversation about, you know, AI taking people's jobs. It's about freeing up creatives to do that really high value work and uh, chat GPT and generative AI can perhaps take some of that uh, busy work um, away and allow teams to really focus on what matters. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, partly, it kind of nudges towards this idea of it being really good at writing that doesn't necessarily have to exist. You know, um, it in as much as. It can it can populate those fields effectively because it's writing for other machines to read that writing. Sure. But um, one of the more interesting conversations I had yesterday, uh, it, it was around a session um, in which uh, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap was speaking. But you know, everyone was everyone was talking about it partly because everyone was in the same boat. Um, nobody is yet an expert. I mean, there, there are obviously some academic experts, but we're all pretty early on in trying it. And I guess there's this tension between whether this is going to be a tool for direct content creation, whether visual or or, or written or video or increasingly video, or whether kind of its real use is as a kind of um, idea test site. Um, I just thought the other day that that kind of the ideal AI 
in its in its current chatbotty form would kind of be like a it'd be like a colleague that you could always run ideas by, but they are totally unencumbered by their own their own work, yeah. their own deadlines, and they've got endless time to listen to the rubbish you first come out with, help you kind of get to the interesting stuff. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see which how. Both, yeah, it's, you know. it could be an efficiency conversation. You know, how do you make the creative process more efficient um, and, and around human productivity? Although, um, you know, there's going to need to be a lot of people with very specific specific skill sets to manage AI and manage these opportunities going forward. And I know that talent has been a really hot topic across the festival this week. It's a big challenge for brands, agencies, media owners. Everyone here is talking about it. What have you heard? It really is. Um, and it was definitely, this is possibly where it gets gets scariest for people. And it's not just AI talent either. It's talent across the board, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, everyone everyone is aware that this this thing, this idea is going to going to impinge on them. Now, that, that was possibly the, the biggest, um, the hottest topic that people wanted to hear from, um, from Brad Lightcap. Um, and he had a he had a pretty kind of Silicon Valley-ish uh, attitude to this, in which he invoked almost like a kind of a, do, have you heard of the Jevons paradox? It's a bit like the induced demand argument that um, effectively the more you start to use a resource, or the more efficiently you start to use a resource, the more of that resource you end up using. So he was arguing that um, generative AI was going to supercharge individual creatives or individual coders but of course with more creativity emerging you're going to need more coders to then deal with read through understand you're going to need more creatives to kind of develop that idea to i'm not entirely sure whether i whether i buy that entirely um but it's um it's it's a it's a certainly more positive vision now it's probably worth worth mentioning that he is currently on on stage as we're as we're recording this. Yes. So if there is any breaking news, we from, will be uh, bringing it to you in tomorrow's, in um, tomorrow's podcast. But there's no getting around the fact that OpenAI, they're here on the ground, they're engaging with agencies, engaging with brands. They've clearly got a vision to engage with the marketing industry on this topic. They are. Um, he was also well. He was he was quite honest actually um, in that he. he you know verbatim quote we know nothing about the advertising industry and i suppose that it's what it's one of the most interesting things about open ai as an organization because they of course they, they began as this non-profit they still have a non-profit kind of they are they are still a non-profit overall they have a for-profit subsidiary they're kind of quasi-academic um and as a result they're, they're wearing a lot of hats they wear a lot of hats and also the, the the nature of the technology is such that, you know, a researcher knows what the plumbing kind of knows how the plumbing works. Yeah. But, but you get this totally different aspect to the technology once it hits the industry, you know, right. once once people actually start using it. And so he, he recounted that GPT-3, for instance, they had no idea how powerful it was going to be until people started using it and suddenly these use cases blossomed. Right. 
And we're still waiting on a few best practice examples, although, of course, it's important to note from a brand perspective is that companies with a really strong tech backbone have been using artificial intelligence in many ways for years. And when it comes to this topic, I guess we will watch this space with a lot of interest over the next 12 months. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Look out for WPP's NVIDIA. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Look out for them and look out, I suppose, for, for publicists as they, they start to correct the record on yeah. the much maligned So, so begins the artificial intelligence arms race within the advertising industry. So it begins. Um, thank you, Sam. And thanks to David and Jocelyn for being a part of the podcast today. And thank you all for listening. We will be back here tomorrow uh, in the Walk podcast studio in the Palais with exclusive insights into our new report on the culture of creative effectiveness. So watch out for that one. We will also be joined by strategy luminaries from RGA and McCann Worldwide. So make sure to tune in and make sure that you do not miss an episode of one of our Cannes specials or of our regular Walk podcast by subscribing on your favourite podcasting platform. And for those listening, you can also watch our uh, Daily Can episodes on YouTube, on walk.com. And last but not least, you can catch up on all the latest breaking news from Sam uh, in our daily newsletter, Walk News. So that's all for now, and we'll see you again tomorrow.